Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Kaylee Danewald, founder and CEO of Sacred Serve, a vegan, gluten-free, plant-powered gelato brand that is on a mission to bring function into the frozen aisle. Kaylee cured her allergies and asthma by eating a nutrient-dense diet while living in Indonesia. When she returned home to Chicago, she set out to clean up the most sugary section in the supermarket, the ice cream aisle. Now she's on a mission to prove that sweet treats can be healing instead of harmful. In this episode, Kaylee shares all about her love for yoga, how taking a sabbatical from her corporate job led her to study in India and Bali, where she learned about the transformational healing power of food. We chat about launching the business and challenges along the way, how to deal with burnout and tips for creating boundaries and the importance of listening to your body. Keep listening to learn all about Kaylee and where Sacred Serve is coming to a Whole Foods near you. I'm so excited to share with you our newest product line, Purely Elizabeth Superfood Cereal with Vitamin D. We just launched two insanely delicious varieties exclusive at Whole Foods Market, Vanilla Blueberry Almond and Honey Peanut Butter. Our new cereals are unlike anything in the market. Each box is full of the good stuff deliciously crispy oat and ancient grain flakes, and crunchy superfood clusters with organic oats, quinoa, and chia, intentionally crafted with whole food ingredients to deliver both taste and nutrition. Our cereals are made with organic, plant-based vitamin D3 to provide an excellent source of vitamin D in every serving. They're sweetened with sustainably sourced coconut sugar and provide five grams of protein and an excellent source of fiber in every serving to start your day off right. Plus, they're certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Trust me, this is going to be your new favorite breakfast or late night snack that tastes absolutely delicious in milk and actually stays crunchy. The mix of flavors and textures leave you feeling satisfied and full. So head on over to your local Whole Foods Market and stock up on our new superfood cereals. You'll thank me later. Enjoy. Kaylee, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited for our conversation today. I know we have a lot in common, a lot of background things in common. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So on the podcast, we always start with your wellness journey. And it sounds like you've really had a path in your own wellness journey that brought you to start your business. So let's start with all of that. Where did it begin? Truly, I feel like there's so much. Um, But I think, you know, the journey for Sacred Star really started, I was working at consulting right after college and was feeling burned out. So I took a couple of sabbaticals, um, two where I went to go live in India on an ashram to study yoga and meditation. And then the last one, I went out to Bali to kind of embark on the food side of the wellness routine. So I think, you know, that- How lucky that you got a sabbatical. First of all, let's stop right there. Yeah, that is, you're right. And I was very lucky. I was working at one of the big four accounting firms at the time and had been there for about three years. And I was always a very hard worker. So, you know, when I went to ask for that month off, 
you know, I think they didn't want to lose me. So they were more willing to say, okay, you know, what do you need? Let's see if we can make this happen. And to their credit, that company has a lot of great benefits like that. You know, you work really hard and really long hours, but if you plan accordingly, you can certainly take that type of time. So that was certainly the start of delving into Eastern philosophy and Ayurveda and different modalities, which was really interesting to me. So had you studied or known anything or what uh, on that first sabbatical made you go to India and experience the ashram and everything yeah. there? Yeah. So I was living in Chicago at the time and went through a really bad breakup, which kind of rocked my mental health. Mental health wasn't something that was talked about all the time back then, but I found that through practicing yoga, this was, you know, a way for me to kind of quell all of those thoughts that I was having. So I got really big into yoga here. And one of my roommates at the time decided to quit her job and do one of those around the world trips. And she said, you know, I'm stopping off in India. I'm going to do this teacher training program there. And I know you're really interested in yoga, which you want to come meet me there. And so, you know, this is a 30 day program. And I just, I remember where I was when she called me to say that. And in my mind, I knew I needed a change, but I had no idea what, what on earth that needed to look like. So when she said that, I just thought, this is it. Like, this is it. It's 30 days. It's a totally different country. It's doing something I'm really interested in. And whether I have to quit my job or not, I will be there. Wow, that's amazing. And also, I think that says like so much about you because that's a pretty big deal and a pretty big change. Granted, you had your job when you got back, but I think like just a tip on Clearly, you're someone who like steps out of your comfort zone and that's propelled you in the business today. But I think like those signs of it early on of putting yourself in difficult situations to grow. Totally, totally. Okay, so you go to India, you do the first one and then you come back, you go back to work and you're like, happy at work? How are you feeling? Not happy. Yeah. So, you know, go do this have some amazing experience, come back. And I think what I learned when I went abroad, and this is really interesting, but I had so much social conditioning at the time where I was really fearful to leave that job because by Western standards, this was a really good job, but I didn't love it. So, you know, I remember telling my friend and we were in India, man, I want to come home and just be a yoga teacher. And that's it. This is, I love this. But I was afraid of what people would think of me. And, you know, I had worked so hard to get this good paying job. So, you know, I came back and pushed those feelings down and continued working for another year or two, but it was just too much. So, yeah, I wound up taking another sabbatical. And that time I went back to India, did the same thing, but I went to Bali on the back end and had this really transformational healing through the food I started eating. And so that was really the trip where I decided I'm not going to do consulting when I get home. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> so what did you do? And Bali is such a magical place, as is India. But Bali, I think from a wellness perspective, is just heaven. What did you do there? What did you learn? I know like raw food is so big, which I'm sure had a big influence. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when I was in India, I did this Ayurvedic cleanse and started to learn kind of the mind-body connection with what you're putting in your mouth and how you're treating your body. So when I went to Bali, I just embarked on a two-week raw food cleanse. And I had stayed, this was back in, I think, 2011. I had stayed on this health resort, which was kind of giving us like- a What was it called? 
It was called Ubud Sari Health Resort. It's still in existence today. And so it was wonderful because they would wake you up with these herbal teas at 5 a.m. And you'd go on these morning hikes and then you'd have juices and, you know, they do different massage and treatments. Um, but that was two weeks. And so what I noticed was within that short amount of time, I had suffered really severe cases of asthma and allergies since a child. And what I noticed was on this two week juice fast, those, both those conditions completely went away. And wow. so I'm talking like when I was little, I was on, you know, steroid inhalers and allergy shots every other week and just felt sick all the time. And, you know, I had to get my tonsils removed because I was always getting sick. And so were you on a lot of antibiotics growing up too? I had a lot of antibiotics growing up, the whole thing, as we know. And um, so, you know, just removing the processed foods, the dairy, it just allowed my body to heal. As we now understand, I was healing my gut. And so the way I felt after those two weeks, I had never experienced breathing in that type of way. So that's when it hit me, this huge download of Every doctor told me I was born with these conditions. And so here I am at 25 years old, like completely healed of these, where I was on all these medications before and I got angry because no doctor ever asked about my diet. And here I am realizing that just solely changing my diet is healing these conditions in such- For like, two weeks. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so like two years. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's the point that I started to think about the medical system, the food system, you know, the pharmaceutical industry and how all of this is working together. And I really, really had a big desire to kind of learn more about this. And it was shocking to me that again, in a relatively, you know, I'm an educated, privileged individual and didn't have access to this type of information that was how to heal my body. <laughs> wow. That must've been such an incredible experience for you to transform so quickly and, and to feel better. So then what happens after that? I know wow. integrative nutrition must pop up pretty soon here in the story. That's right. That's right. So it was when I was in Bali and I, you know, believe in synchronicities and things like that. So when I was there, a couple of girls that were doing the health cleanse with me had mentioned this nutrition program. And then I went over to Thailand and met two other girls and they mentioned this nutrition program. You know, they're from Germany and Australia. And I just thought, wow, how interesting. Like, you know, I'm starting to get really into this and I'm meeting like-minded people and they're from all over the world and they've all mentioned this same program. So, cool. so yeah, so I came home and immediately looked into, you know, IIN and again, somehow negotiated a part-time schedule at my corporate job, you know, started doing that online and working on building a health coaching practice from there. So, Yeah. What would you say some of the biggest lessons that you learned from IAN that then helped really go from there into launching the business? You know, I really credit IAN with this whole self-discovery phase. You know, I tell people when I talk about the course, like the it's in thirds. The first third is you're learning about yourself, discovering, you know, what are your strengths? What are you good at? What do you love? The middle is all about nutrition and everything you need to know there. And then the last piece is coaching and how to really structure a business and they give you the tools for that. So that's where I started. Uh, and I was really motivated at the time to be what's called a digital nomad. So when I was in Bali, again, back in 2011, there were a handful of people building their businesses all online and living there. And I thought, that's cool. 
So I thought I can build a health coaching practice fully remote and go back and live in Bali and do this. And so that's what I did. After a year, I went to school, quit my job, built up a couple of clients and moved back to Bali and was coaching people one-on-one from there while continuing to really immerse myself in that wellness scene that was abroad. But, you know, I quickly learned that I can only help people so much, right? I can teach them how to read labels. I'm sure you felt the same. It's not getting to the root cause. So as much as I can teach you to read the labels, the labels are still crap. So is that helping anyone? So that's when I really started to turn my eye to, can we create a product that carries this really similar mission of just healing through food, but I think, you know, have a much wider reach than just one-on-one coaching and ultimately affect the landscape of, of what these labels really are, especially in this really sugar, dairy-laden category of ice cream, which at the time had seen no innovation. <laughs> yeah, I feel so similar to you. And it's amazing, I think, what the integrative nutrition program has gone on to do with so many health coaches like ourselves of here you have, you know, 10 clients and you're helping 10 people, which is amazing. But then to take a step back and realize like, wait, I can have a much larger impact on the world by offering products that help people heal and feel better. That's amazing. So, okay. So now you're, you're having this idea and where does the idea specifically for ice cream come in? Were you always a big ice cream eater? Right. Yeah. It's a good question. And, and transparently, no, I'm not, I haven't been. I wasn't a granola eater. eater either. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, I was living in Bali and this is where I discovered our hero ingredient, which is young coconut meat. And so as part of this, while I was living in Bali, I was doing health coaching, but also some sales for another CPG health food company. And that's founder of that company is one of my good friends. And he had also lived in Bali for quite some time. And so he's a raw food chef. And we got together and decided, you know, this young coconut meat that's in Bali, which is really cool. They're using it for all types of things. Can we come together and create these recipes in a category that would be interesting to me, which is this dairy category? Because I have a sensitivity to dairy. So I wanted to see what we could really do in the plant-based space. And being a frozen product, you can really get away with a lot of, you know, nutrient density and raw ingredients because you have a much longer shelf life. So we thought this would be a really cool place to innovate. And so, yeah, I ended up coming back for family reasons. I thought I was going to live in Bali forever, uh, but no, I came back. And so once I came back, that's when I kind of decided, why don't I start, you know, a company? Now that I'm back, Chicago's not as fun as Bali. So I might as well get involved in something that's a little more fun. And so, yeah, that, that's where the ideas of the ice cream came from. It was really you know, finding ingredients in Bali and then having a concept and realizing, you know, I think that this would really work with consumers back here. Once you come back, Chicago and ice cream, perfect. (laughs) 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 What what would you say was the moment that you like, did you put a business plan together? Did you just kind of go with it and and say, let's let's jump and see what happens? Or what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. You know, as much as I have a business background, I really didn't start with a business plan. I started with the product and just wanted to kind of test the market. So the way I started was just, you know, iterating in our own kitchen and then doing a bunch of farmers markets. So for the first two years of the business, 
I did, you know, over 300 consumer facing events where I just collected feedback and feedback and kept iterating. And from there, you know, I slowly worked my way into some shared kitchens. And then as we got more and more traction, just kind of kept building it out from there. So let's talk a little bit about the products specifically. We touched on the, the young coconut, but let's talk through some of your hero ingredients, guardrails. How do you think about product and ingredients? Like I said, our hero ingredient is this young coconut meat, which is really cool. And not a lot of people know what that is, uh, but it comes from the same green coconuts that give you coconut water. So this is really kind of a byproduct of that process. And so once you empty out the water, the inside of those shells have kind of this pulp, you know, like material that you can scrape out from the inside. And so it's packed with vitamins and minerals, all five essential electrolytes, fiber, and it's got this really subtle coconut taste. So that's what we use as the base, which gives us this really creamy texture without having to rely on gums and stabilizers and all of that. So it's been really nice for us to kind of leverage that. It's also half the calories and half the fat of coconut milk. Not a dictator of health, but I do like to say that because it does give us this really unique nutritional profile for what is traditionally a very indulgent product. Um, you can get your product, young coconut from Bali now? So or where is, it, it, where is it sourced from? Now we get it from Thailand. It's the Namhan breed of coconut. We have found that that is the sweetest. So you can certainly source that from all over. The Philippines have some, but we have found that Thailand is really the best suited for us. So yeah, we built out a couple supply sheets out of there. But yeah, that's, you know, base recipe is just the coconut meat, water, coconut sugar, and then we flavor everything with just different superfoods. So, you know, cacao, we've got peppermint, essential oil, matcha, all of our favorite things, just really working to elevate those traditional classics with superfoods that we learned about. So yeah, really kind of trying to introduce consumers in this category where they're not typically talking about nutrient-dense ingredients and kind of spark their interest there. Yeah, I love that you're adding in those extra plus-ups, as I like to think of them, and in such a delicious way. The product is fantastic. So if someone is new to the brand and they could only try one flavor, what would you suggest? I would say the sulfur caramel, that is definitely our most popular. And that was actually supposed to be our vanilla. So when we were kind of iterating these recipes, we just made it very basic. There's only vanilla, you know, in there. But the coconut sugar has this kind of caramely taste. So when we mix it all together, we realize actually you can't get a vanilla. This tastes a lot like caramel. So uh, we just add a little extra salt and can help with salted caramel. But it's been, yeah, our best flavor to date. That's definitely my favorite. And obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan of using coconut sugar in our product too, because that it's that like deep caramel butterscotch taste that is unlike anything. And it just mixes so well and gives such a great depth of flavor in anything that you're using. Totally agree. Yeah. So we use strictly coconut sugar for our whole lives. And interesting enough, I mean, I haven't seen any other ice cream brand utilize coconut sugar. You're right. So you know, I mean, and, and we've had buyers even say, yeah, I don't know about this. And I'm like, you guys, this is the sugar, you know, this is the sugar that should be used. So it, it's very unique for us, especially in the category. That's so interesting. Is it hard to use in an ice cream application or do you think it's just because it's more expensive than other sugars that people aren't using it? I think it's more expensive. I think that's probably the primary reason. And, you know, I, 
the amount of solids and things affect the freezing point. So, you know, it's possible that cane sugar has a different freezing ability than the coconut sugar does, or just everyone kind of iterated their recipes in such a way and it's hard to go back and change the formulations. So, you know, we really came to market with all of these operative ingredients and started there, which has been a benefit to us. But um, yeah, I'm surprised I don't see it more. I really am. And where do you get your coconut sugar from? Peru, I think. Oh, interesting. So we source ours from Indonesia. um, And that is when I was lucky enough to go to Bali, was actually on a trip to go visit our coconut sugar. Okay, amazing. And where are they? They are in on the island of Java. Okay, totally. Yep, that's great. So I I will give you their information, but they're amazing. The woman woman owned cooperative. They actually just like- uh, regenerative ag certified. Right. So they're doing incredible things and yeah, more than happy to share that info with you. Would love that. Yes, that would be great. So on, on speaking about regenerative ag, I know sustainability is definitely a big, important topic for you, especially as it comes to packaging, et cetera. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you think about sustainability. Yeah. You know, I really looked at it as kind of a 360 approach. So you know, we look at our ingredients from a sustainability standpoint, our processing, as well as our packaging. So, you know, from the ingredient perspective, we are plant-based, better for the environment in that way, as well as using the upcycled coconut meat that's typically a byproduct of coconut water. And then, you know, the packaging side is really interesting and unique. So when I started this business five years ago, that's when I first realized that no ice cream pint on the market is recyclable. And that was shocking to me. Shocking just paper. Uh, But there is this thin moisture barrier on the inside of the paper that is plastic. So, um, you know, the two materials together can't be pulled apart and recycled. So it really just renders the product trash. And, you know, I searched for years to try and find a different solution and um, it didn't come available until, you know, this past year, there was an innovator out in the UK that finally came up with a moisture barrier and that was water-based and not plastic. So we were able to move on that and launch these containers that were paper and a water-based solution on the inside. So they're fully compostable, biodegradable and recyclable right at home for the very first time. Um, so That's we're, amazing. We're that. Yeah, thrilled. And, um, you know, I hope, my hope is that more ice cream companies adopt this and everyone should adopt this. You know, this has been just a big sustainability issue for the frozen category as a whole. Everything in the freezer set has to have this moisture barrier on the inside. And so this application can go across the board. It's not just for ice cream. So I'm really optimistic for the coming years because Everyone talks about sustainability in a way that right now what our category is doing is let's get recyclable. Let's get everything to be recycled. Some people have even launched 100% plastic packaging so you can recycle that. But for me, it's about removing plastic from the supply chain altogether because we're just seeing that land in the environment and recycling is not really real. The system doesn't work. So for me, I just felt like let's remove this all together. And so, yeah, we're really, really thrilled to have found a partner that was able to do that. That's huge. And hopefully that's also helping you get into more store shelves because, you know, everybody wants that. So, right. Right. So five years in, what would you say now, or not doesn't, 
doesn't necessarily have to be today, but you know, the last couple of years, what would you say have been some of the most challenging parts of the business? And then what tips can you share for navigating through difficult times? Because it's it's never easy. There's always ups and downs. It's, it's, it's the definition of business. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. I think, you know, what I wasn't prepared for going into it was just the all-encompassing nature of running your own company. So I think that was something I was a little unprepared for. But, you know, the most challenging has been our manufacturing, really. And I started this in a really bootstrapped way. So resources, those have been two big things. And we had manufacturing in-house up until about eight months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this was, I will say, you know, the coconut meat element of our product has made it very difficult for us to commercialize and scale and work with third-party manufacturers because there's a lot of pre-processing that needs to happen there. You know, we really believe in the product and have come up with this proprietary manufacturing, but it's certainly taken us longer. So, you know, the manufacturing piece was heavy and the limited resources was really just myself working on this company for the first couple of years. You know, I really came close to burnout a handful of times, which is scary when you're running a company. So, you know, my advice is build a team or start with a co-founder. I don't know how you feel about this, but that was Again, certainly from a bootstrap perspective, I was really doing everything for a very long time. Yeah, that would be my main advice is whether it's advisors or, you know, a board or a co-founder or someone early that is with you a lot. I think that that would have been really, really helpful in the early days to kind of get us going. You mentioned burning out. And I think it's so hard, especially in the first couple of years when like it is, live, sleep, breathe. And, but at the same time, it's exhilarating. Like it is the most exciting thing in the world, but also you have no boundaries, or at least I felt like I had no boundaries. So I'm curious when you said you almost burnt out, like what was the point that you got to? And then how did you kind of pull yourself out of that? No, I love this question. And I think it's, it's been really interesting because this is the number one thing I struggle with, with running this business myself. And this has been a whole personal journey that I've had to really work on and figure out why do I lack these boundaries? You know, why am I giving everything to this business? So, you know, it's kind of come in ebbs and flows, but certainly through the pandemic was a really, really difficult time. And I was fundraising and, you know, everything was crazy. So I did put up some boundaries. I think just limiting the hours that I was working was a big way to help that. And then I got really serious about my wellness routine, kind of just going back to the things that have always worked. You know, in my house, we have an infrared sauna now. We live in a small apartment, right? So it's nothing crazy, but, you know, an infrared sauna, I have a yoga, you know, I have this like wellness room where I'll go in there and I'll meditate and I make sure to get reflexology once a week because that is really healing to my body. So I think really taking care of my body has helped my mind be a little bit more at ease. So yeah, when I, when I feel like I'm butting up on burnout, I can tell that feeling now in my brain. It's this fuzziness. It's this inability to take action and make decisions quickly. And it can even take like 10 minutes to send a very basic email. And so when I see those signs starting to creep in, it's, I'm much better at just getting up and stopping work, you know, going for a walk, going outside, taking a break, maybe taking off the rest of the day because I just see how damaging it is. Once you go down that route, it can be really hard to come back from that. Yeah. I, I 
can a hundred percent relate. And I was just reading John Mackey's book, Conscious Leadership, I think is what it was called yesterday. And he, there's a lot of great tips in there and a lot of things that resonated, but one of which, which we all know, but it's like reading it just helped to resonate and remind me of how important downtime is to relax and recharge and like getting out of your own space. I mean, the ideal thing, certainly going on vacation, we all can't do that. But I, and I know for myself, it's like, as, as soon as I get outside of these walls that I'm used to, and I see something else is really where I think more creatively, more strategically, like it, it's so important to step out of that day to day and allow your mind to, to think differently. Exactly. And, and, you know, I still to this day struggle with, there's a love called guilt around that. And yeah. so, you know, I don't know if it's a self-worth issue where, you know, why don't I, I still have it. It's just say <laughs> 13 hey, years in, <laughs> you know, even with inv- you know, investors. Yeah. I'm going to take five days off because this is so much better for the business if I do, but it's still very hard to, to say those things or, you know, feel like you're taking a self-indulgent time, but ultimately yeah, it's that reminder that if you don't rest, you're going to burn out. So it is part of the practice. It is part of the to-do list is rest. For sure. So just trying to think about for you, because you came from a job in consulting that seems like it was also all-encompassing and many hours of the day, very stressful. Curious to hear as people think about maybe like, hey, I want to start my own business, the difference between being in a super stressful consulting environment where you were in versus now having your own business and what those different kind of stresses are like? That is such a good question. I don't even know if I've really thought about this, but to your point, I will say running your own company feels more stressful. And what I've kind of related that to is there's like an omnipresent pressure where at my old consulting job, it was, it was stressful, but for the most part, I could leave it on the weekends and the buck didn't stop with me. I knew my work was going to be reviewed by a senior manager and then our partner and then go to the client here. Everyone's looking to me. I have all the answers. I'm the only one that can move this shit forward. And so I feel it on nights and weekends. And I think that's been really hard to detach from. And because that pressure is kind of always around, it's made it more difficult for me to get the breaks or feel, you know, to go ahead to take some time off. So yeah, stress is stress. And I think everyone feels it the same, but I will say comparatively, yeah, this has felt busier and felt more full on, but the stress is more rewarding, of course, because I get to do whatever I want, right? Like these are my ideas and my executions. So it's more fulfilling, but it's more full on. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you today in the business? What exciting things do you have coming down the pipe? Excited to hear what's new. Yeah, right now uh, I'm most excited about some new distribution we have. So we're going to be launching nationwide with Whole Foods in the coming month. So we're so excited for that. I think, you know, the early days, I had a lot of FaceTime with our consumers and could see the reactions. And um, with this, you know, increased distribution, we're just going to be reaching a lot more people and seeing those reactions is just so exciting for us. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank what what SKUs will be going into Whole Foods? So it's different um, across some of the regions, but for the most part, it's going to be caramel, mint, and chai. 
Yes. Well, I can't wait. That is so exciting. And that's really like such a pivotal point in the business of, you know, you're about to be on this whole new trajectory. Um, so it's so exciting. Yeah. It's been a big ramp up for sure. But um, yeah, it's all, all very exciting. And, and Whole Foods is one of our favorite partners. So yeah, we love it. We love our consumer. Perfect. So what would you say are some of the other lessons that you've learned over the last couple of years, just kind of taking a step back, life lessons, business lessons, how to work with the team, anything that kind of comes to mind? Yeah. And, you know, I think remaining married to that long-term vision is something that I've found to be really, really important. You know, like we were saying earlier, there's problems every day. And it's just, you've got to keep married to that long-term. Otherwise you're going to get depressed. You're going to get bogged down and all that. So keeping focused on that long-term goal and then building the right team. I think we've gotten a lot of success out of that. And again, early on, when you're resource constrained, it can be hard to get, you know, the right talent, but we've had a lot of success with just really building relationships. So, you know, getting people excited about working with us because of the product and the mission. And we've got a lot of advisors and mentors along the same route. So I think the more people you can get around you early on that are excited and kind of can kind of rally around these products, the better, because it really helps to kind of give you that momentum to keep going. How have you navigated finding and reaching out to and kind of building that relationship with either a mentor or advisor. You know, if people are looking for growth, a mentor is always a great person, but it could be an awkward thing to say like, oh, I want you to be my mentor, now what? How do you really develop that? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, You know, I was lucky where I went through an accelerator program here in Chicago that paired me with one of my mentors. We talk every week. And so that's been a really good relationship. But I've got other, you know, advisors by just reaching out to them and saying, you know, doing your research on them, of course, just this is what I'm you know, interested in. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I've done. And this is why I'm really interested in connecting with you. You've done X, X, and X. I think you could help me here. And whether it's usually not paid, but you can give them some equity or it's not paid. It just kind of depends on the different arrangements. But what I have found is people later in their career are more than not excited to help you and chat with you because the early days are the fun days and they're probably removed from that. And so it's been fun that, you know, I think that people would be surprised how open again, Depends on where people are in their career. If they're super busy, that could be hard. But, you know, a lot of these people are working at big CPG and they've got the time and would love to help. So the more asks, the more yeses. Uh, you don't know until you ask for sure. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but moving on to your own kind of personal wellness, we touched on a couple of the things that you do or that you did to get yourself out of feeling burnt out. Would love to talk a little bit about um, your own personal wellness philosophy. Are you raw food today? I don't know what your morning routine is, night routine, things that really set you up for success to feel your best. Yeah, totally. You know, I think it's been a constantly evolving journey. I think I'm always learning new information and always trying new things to see what works best for myself. So, you know, to your point, when I was living in Bali, I was eating raw vegan. That felt amazing. It was tropical. I was walking around all day. 
when I came back to Chicago, <laughs> raw vegan was not going to work. So, you know, deep dish pizza it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, started incorporating obviously cooked foods. I kept vegan for a while, but then ultimately started eating a little bit of introducing some high quality meats to my diet. So, Again, depending on the season, in the winter, I'll have a little bit more meat. In the summer, a little bit more raw foods. So I think what IIM helped with and kind of the journey, the wellness journey over the last 10 years is I've really honed this ability to check in with myself. And so any little thing I feel in my body, I now read as a sign and a message that something is off or wrong. And so I'm constantly, yeah, doing that check-in process and trying to figure out how can I help or elevate however I'm feeling right now. So, you know, to your point, very mindful of if I feel burnout, I'll step away. But there's some, you know, consistent things that I'll do on a weekly basis to kind of maintain. So I mentioned earlier, reflexology is one of the biggest tools that I rely on. And so sometimes people will joke, like I really do try and go once a week. And that sounds very indulgent. Like, wow, you get a massage like once a week. But these reflexology places are $28 for an hour and, you know, they, they're good. They're trained in trigger point therapy. And so I really, you know, rely on that, but, um, you know, there's that, we do have an infrared sauna in our apartment. So I'll try and use that a couple of times a week. And these are all things that I've picked up in Bali. I was doing a lot of reflexology there. I had the infrared sauna yoga. I do that at home by myself all the time. I'm stretching about yoga practice. You do, you know, Hatha yoga mostly uh, or vinyasa, but a lot of it for me is just a lot of stretching. So if I'm watching TV, I'm on the floor and I'm stretching or I'm laying out my back and I'm using golf balls or the trigger point therapy, you know, the myofascial release. Yeah. So I've just always been a very sensitive, like essential oils, all these things really impact my mental health, my physical health. So I've kind of just designed our apartment in such a way that has all these little tools within it. So I'm pretty comfortable here. But yeah, between that and getting outside, those are kind of the wellness routines that I really rely on. All right, well, we are gonna move on to some rapid fire Q&A. Cool. <laughs> the best advice you've gotten in the past six months? So this will sound funny, but it was don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that is essentially, you know, sometimes you want to give up and things are going wrong, but just a reminder that just because one little piece of your business might be rough or hard to figure out, doesn't mean that you should give up or, you know, look to do something else. It's really just the product, the core mission, the consumers, it's all so great. So just a reminder that you can focus on these little pieces here and there, but the whole thing is moving forward and remain focused on that. <laughs> and like you said earlier, like really looking at, hey, here's my long-term vision and probably yeah. not getting caught up in the, okay, this one thing isn't working today. Yeah. Yeah. A favorite book, podcast, or mentor for growth? You know, this is probably sounds kind of random, but I, um, I'm really big into astrology. So there's an astrologer, Chani Nicholas, and she has weekly readings based on your rising sign. And for me, it's just the most self-reflective, grounding practice to listen to that reading every week. So yeah, that has been really instrumental in my personal growth. Um, so I yeah rely on that a lot. Three things that you're currently loving could be product, show, 
anything. There's a show I like called Alone. Um, it's kind of like a survivalist show. And I think I like it because it reminds me of entrepreneurship. You know, you see these individuals go through all these trials and build themselves up. And, you know, at the end of the show, only one out of 10 people wins. So (laughs) watch people lose and all, you know, all the emotions that come with that. So I do really like the personal development side of that show. So let's see what else. Road trips. That's a big thing that we've been into. My fiance and I have been into lately. Just where have you gone? We, so we're working on getting a new co-manufacturer. So we've been driving around and visiting somebody. So we've gone down to Florida. We went out to New York. So yeah, just road trips. We love seeing little towns and taking our time. We have a little puppy. So we bring him with us. Is your fiance in the business? Or? He is a business. He runs, he runs the ops. So. All right. Well, now we have to stop the, <laughs> we have to stop the rapid fire and just ask the question, how's that been? <laughs> It's been a lot. Yeah, it's been great. You know, he early in the business days when he had his full-time job, he would come, you know, he'd work nine to five. I would work nine to five on business stuff. And then he would come at 5 p.m. and we would manufacture together until 2 a.m. And then go to bed, you know, so we did it like that for a long time. We were gearing up for just a regional launch with Whole Foods. So I would see your boyfriend then or fiance. With my boyfriend, okay. boyfriend at the time. And um, he did a bunch of demos for us. He's the social guy. I'm the introvert. So anytime we have events, he comes along and he's the muscle. And so, yeah, we did that for about a year. And then he eventually came over full time and has been running. Like I said, we had manufacturing in-house. So he's been running all of our manufacturing over the last couple of years. So we lived together, we worked together, we got engaged. It's been, you know, a lot. Congratulations. Well, that's awesome. I think it it's it can be very hard, but at the same time to have somebody who's experiencing everything with you, it's like, it's so hard to explain it to somebody that if they weren't in it, I think it would also be really difficult. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Okay, so your third thing that you're currently loving as we sidetracked from the family. Uh, you know what? I We just got a puppy. I'm loving playing with our puppy. And what kind of puppy? He's a little chihuahua and he's a long hair chihuahua and he's just four and a half pounds. Oh so uh, he's nature, you know? It's like, it's, it's grounding. It keeps you present and bonding with him has been so much fun. Favorite wellness hack? Reflexology. Or charcoal pills, honestly. You know, that if I'm drinking or bloated or something, if I just take a charcoal pill, I swear that that solves everything. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You do a char you don't have a charcoal ice cream, do you? We actually do. We launched uh cookies and cream. Right. This is okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought, but yeah. <laughs> Favorite words to live by. What's meant for you will be for you. Yeah. I feel happiest when I'm exploring and traveling. Favorite sacred serve moment? I would say building our first pallets because we did self distribution for so long. Those first couple pallets shipping out felt huge. And lastly, what is your number one non negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Self reflection and time alone. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. In closing, where can everybody find you? Where can they find the products and anything else we haven't talked about? 
Yes, you can find me um, on Instagram at underscore Katie Joy, on Sacred Serve at, at Sacred Serve, and we will be nationwide with Whole Foods. Otherwise, there's a great store locator on our website, sacredserve.com. Perfect. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.